Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 35 of Season 4 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry Met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today to finish off this week is Duncan Shields of the Time Bandits Minute and Chronologically Speaking. Welcome Hello. back to the show. Thank you for having me back. It's lovely talking about this film. Yes, it's so much fun. That is true. So yesterday we ended things... Uh, during the conversation between Harry and Sally, and today's minute begins with Harry asking a question and ends with an older tr- couple seemingly trying to outdo one another. <laughs> so, y- you know, yesterday we had Harry and Sally walking through Central Park, talking about various uh, things about possibly uh, becoming friends, and Harry is somewhat taken aback by what Sally says to him at the end about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that he sees her not wanting to sleep with him as a character flaw. And he thinks for a second and goes, what's the statute of limitation on apologies? And she says, 10 years. Oh, I can get it in under the wire. Because, you know, obviously we know that approximately 10 years since they uh, spent time together, which is obviously more because, you know, the, the... the, their trip took place in the summer, and now it's clearly uh, the fall. So it's, right. a, it's a little more than ten years or whatever. Yeah. Um, we we once again still get the uh, the the piano music, you know, coming from Mark Shaman of uh, "It Had to Be You," and then Sally does something very strange. She she looks over to Harry and says, "Would you like to have dinner with me sometimes?" Which which I think is great that they're showing that she's taking the initiative here with this friendship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because she's the one who has been fighting against Harry uh, for the last 10 years. You know, in yeah, every conversation they've had, yeah. she's trying to fend him off. And at this point, I, like that she, bit on, uh, I love that bit on the plane where um, she's trying to remember Billy Crystal's name. Right. To Joe. Right. She goes to what's what's Billy Crystal's name in this movie? again? Harry. Harry Burns. Yeah. Harry. Oh, of course. My God. No, she can't remember the name of Amanda. Oh, Amanda, Amanda Peel or Amanda Pete or whatever she says. Uh, that's uh, just as she's, yeah, but she remembers Harry's name and um, but she has trouble remembering it. And then when he was like, oh, no, that was it. Yeah, he says, uh, who is who is your friend in college? And she's like, Amanda. Amanda. Gosh, I, I can't believe you forgot her name. When, like she made a big deal about forgetting her name. She's already <laughs> trying to like, you know, pretend to be something she's not. But there is an authenticity and a real um, honesty to her asking him out for dinner here. And it's almost like an echo of him saying, you sound like you're in a really healthy place. Yes. She's like, maybe I'm healthy enough to ask you for dinner. Like she's climbing up the ladder to like, yeah, I'm going to try this. It's good. Yeah, I like it too. Like and then and then he, he responds and says, are we becoming friends now? And she yeah. goes, well, yeah. He goes, okay, great. A woman friend. And then he looks at her and he still has to get the digs in. And he goes, you know, you may be the first attractive woman I've not wanted to sleep with in my entire life. <laughs> and she looks at him and goes, that's wonderful, Harry. So yeah. <laughs> you you can see that, that, well, first of all, Harry is a little taken aback by the fact that she's asking him to be friends. Yeah. You know, he's he's not really sure how to, you know, how to take this. You know, because because you know he's he's an adamant uh, uh, adamantly against having women as friends, and like here she's the one bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, and like you, 
you know, I'm sure you, because this conversation happened so much earlier in the film, but his theory that they can't be, that was something I remember that got talked about for years over yes. dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many households after this movie came out, was like, you know, do you think it's possible? And, you know, I do think it's possible. Uh, but it, you can't ignore the, the, the sexual tension or the sexual possibilities or, or whatever. You can't ignore that part of it. If you ignore that part of it, it'll become a problem. But I think that if you acknowledge it, then, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that does affect yes. uh, most, most relationships in one way or another. And I, I do kind of wish that as men, we didn't have such one track minds, not to generalize, but you know, in some ways it's dependable, but in other ways it gets in the way of a lot of possible, you know, relationships, you know, so I, 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 I get what he's saying. Right. Right. I mean, he's, it's, it's, I, I think he's somewhat joking. He's like half joking with what he's saying here. Oh yeah. But she, 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 you can see that she's a little insulted by it, by, by having yeah. to make a comment like that, even though she doesn't want the other response either. You know, she, she's not interested yeah. in having a relationship with him. So, you know, the fact that he says it this way is just very funny. Yeah, you know, the way like that... her, yeah, her, her sarcastic, that's wonderful, Harry. Like, exactly. <laughs> good for you. Right. And uh, then the, the scene changes and we, we get another one of these uh, documentary uh, couples telling their story of how they got, they got, got together. So what I found really interesting, and this I only found out because I was listening to the commentary of who this man is. Okay. Um, oh. Okay. Now, I mean, you can go into IMDb and find their names. You know, his name is, uh, uh, Bernie, uh, Bernie Hearn and her name is Rose Wright. Okay. Bernie Hearn and Rose Wright. What a couple of names. I love it. Yes. But, um, because I listened to the commentary, I actually know who he is. First of all, she has absolutely no other Bernie Hahn. Sorry. She has no, no, Bernie Hearn. Sorry. I'm sorry. Bernie Hearn. She has no other credits. On IMDb, and I did a search. I couldn't find anything about her. Okay, right. but Bernie Hearn apparently was um, Carl Reiner's one of his best friends, and oh, okay. and the two of them knew each other doing comedy, uh, you know, up in the Catskills, uh, you know, in the 30s and 40s. And Bernie Hearn was the best man at um, Carl and Estelle Reiner, Reiner's wedding on nice. on. Uh, the 24th of December, uh, 1943. Ooh, Christmas Eve. It's yes. a good time to get married. Yes. But it's very interesting, the fact that, you know, that I never would have known this had I not, you know, heard that on the commentary. So I actually went in and changed it on IMDb. So now anyone who goes on IMDb oh. can look and they'll, they'll, they'll say, what do you mean? It's on IMDb. But yes, it is because of me. I put it there. <laughs> Excellent. You know, so, so that anyone else will find this out by not having, they won't have to, you know, they won't have to listen to the commentary to hear that, that information about it. Um, so Bernie Hearn uh, uh, was born in 1915 on, uh, on November 4th, and he passed away on November 2nd, two days before his birthday in 1997. Uh, so he, he passed away at the, uh, at the age of 81, just a few days short of 82. Um, on IMDb, he only has 13 credits. Uh, not, not very, I guess he was more of a, uh, you know, he was working on stage more than, uh, right, 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 right. More than anywhere else. He 
one of his most prominent roles was on six episodes of L.A. Law between 1986 and 1991. He played oh. a judge. My gosh, who wasn't on L.A. Law? I feel That's like right. everybody did a, did a couple <laughs> days on L.A. Law back in the day there. Yes, he played Judge Sidney Schroeder uh, in Sydney six episodes. So that's very fun. So then we'll, we'll now get into the, this whole conversation of the, what the two of them have, which is it, it's a it's this is a fun uh, documentary couple. I mean, I, I love them all. They're, I think they're they're all great. Yeah. But it's fun yeah. looking at them and, and and trying to figure out what type of relationship these people apparently have. OK. Yeah. And the way that this conversation goes is also great because, you know, they keep interrupting one another and interjecting. Uh, while the other is trying to tell parts of the story. So it starts it. off with the man going, we were both born in the same hospital. And the wife goes, in 1921, seven days apart in the same hospital. We both grew up one block away from each other. We both lived in tenements on the Lower East Side, on Delancey Street. My family moved to the Bronx when I was 10. He lived on Fordham Road. Hers moved when she was 11. I lived on 183rd Street. For six years, she worked on the 15th floor. I worked... And then it gets cut off and people are going to have to come back on Monday to find out what the rest of that story is. But but it's just great that, you know, that the, the two of them have such amazing chemistry here. They do. And this is one of those things where I love these interstitials of the old couples talking because I'd forgotten about them entirely. Uh, what rewatching this movie and being asked to do this minute, I was like, oh, right. You know, they had these little act break uh, chapter break, uh, little documentary sections of, of old couples talking. And I, I thought it was just a charming motif and such a beautiful little thing to do. But I always wondered, were they old couples or were they actors playing old couples? And I guess what you're saying is that they were actors playing right. old well, couples. Well, what, what, right? apparently the story goes, and I've told this before, but the, the story goes is yeah. that they, they, they're real stories. They found real people who... Oh, who, okay. who tell their stories and they originally wanted to film the, the 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 real couples telling the stories and apparently it was a mess you know the the uh, timing and everything the the couples just weren't as good so what rob renner ended up doing was he took the stories um and had actors give over these stories to make it a little more dramatic and and better uh, you know, for okay. us to, so kind of a, a little bit of a hybrid, kind of a, yeah. a bit of both mm -hmm. kind of thing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, some people, you know, put them in front of a camera. There's right. no comic time. I mean, what, not, what, even if what I find annoying is, is that I, I've been trying to, to do research to try and figure out, you know, where all these stories really came from. You know, yeah. if, if Rob Renner was able to say, you know, oh, this was this person and this was that person, you know, we, we have no idea. You know where where the actual story. We know that the first story is based on the story of of uh, the parents of a friend of of Rob Reiner's, one of the uh, producers of the movie, uh, Alan Horn. Uh, that was his father who told. It was the story of his how his parents met. Um, but ah uh, okay. But the the rest of the stories I haven't been able to figure out. You know who the stories are based on. You know because if they're all real stories, it would be great to be able to hear. You know, yeah. that, that this is the story of this person or whatever. Yeah. You know, even if Rob Reiner were to uh, say, okay, this is another friend of mine's parents, their story. You know, the, sure. the, just even even the minimal amount I would love to hear. Minimal amount. That would be great. Yeah. I love the I love the style 
of people talking over each other. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. There's a bunch of movies that do it and I'm always such a sucker for it because it's so, um, uh, Robert Altman did a lot of it, you know, yeah. like he had Robert Altman was the, one, was, was the one who first started that. Yeah. Cause it was always, you know, prior to that, it was always one person talks, the other person talks. And yeah. it's not always like that in real life, especially when you get a couple that have been together for 70 years and they're telling the same story they told 500 times, you know, they'll just, they become like conjoined twins, just finishing each other's sentences. They're, they're one brain with two mouths kind of thing. Right. And that's what you get in this, this little, this little bit. Yeah. It's and it sounds like as if this is a story that they've told hundreds of times to people. And he's still getting the details wrong. God damn it. No, he doesn't get, no, no, he doesn't. She's not correcting him at all. She's interjecting no, and adding the information. Yeah. The, the, the previous couple was the one where the guy couldn't remember the names of all his, all his ex-wives and whatever. And there she's, she's correcting him. This, you know, in this case, the the woman doesn't correct him at all. She's no, just she's interjecting not, and adding, you know, her clarifying. her side of of the the parts of that story. You know, that's like a hype man in a in a rap group or something. She's just giving jumping in with the extra details that are uh, correct. That are there, but right. I, I like the way that they're right. So they they, they, they mentioned just, whole, their chemistry. Yeah, they mentioned so many different uh, areas of of New York. Okay, I know you're yeah. not a New Yorker, but yesterday we talked a little bit about Central Park. Um, have you ever heard of the Lower East Side? Like, what do you know about? Oh the yeah, Lower East no, Side? I've 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 been to New York like a few times, so I know I know part of it. But um, I, yeah, I'm not a born and bred or anything like that. Right. So, do you know anything about the Lower East Side? Is that like Alphabet City? Is that like uh, like which is the like what's the I forget what the good part of town is? Is the Upper West Side the good part, and the Lower East is kind of the bad part? No, I wouldn't say it's a low. It's, it's the Lower East Side was was known as a historic neighborhood uh, for for like uh, many immigrants moved there, and it was, a, it was yeah. a working class neighborhood. My 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 stepfather actually was born there, and he grew up there. Okay, uh, in the Lower East Side, um, you know, so he would always uh, regale me of stories, you know, stuff that happened there, uh, you know, back in the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. So that'd be like uh, you know a family of ten in a one room apartment. And, you know, there were places like that, yeah. There were places like sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, like you go from Ellis Island to the Lower East Side kind of thing. and then um, That, that and did happen often, yeah. yeah. Okay, I mean, the, 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 the area was, was uh, you know, what, was there for, for many, many years beforehand. You know, even in the 17th century, there were, you know, there were people that were living in that area at the time. Okay, but uh, when when the immigrants started coming to New York in the 19th and early 20th centuries, many of them came to the Lower East Side and they moved into crowded tenements, which is one of the things that they mention here. You know that they, yeah. they were living in tenements. You know, mm-hmm. um, there were um, in in the 1840s or so, there were a large number of German immigrants that settled in the area, and the the area started becoming known as Little Germany. Or uh, uh, Klein Deutschland. Klein Deutschland. Yeah. Um, but then many Italians and Eastern European Jews and Greeks and Hungarians and Poles, Romanians, Russians, Slovaks, Ukrainians, they all came to, to this area. And um, by 1920, the, the Jewish neighborhood was actually one of the, the largest of the ethnic groupings. There were over 400,000 Jews that were living in the Lower East Side. Um, That's a lot. Yes. Wow, yeah, just in one city. Mm-hmm. Know, it's one area of the city. The even. This is just the neighborhood. You know, they had, yeah. they had push cart vendors that, that would be, uh, that would all work on Orchard Street and Grand Street. Um, you, They had Yiddish theaters. 
that were very popular there also. Um, the, the areas were known as somewhat of slums, but they, they were far, far from ideal. Um, but uh, yeah. when they started creating zoning laws and things like that, things, things started changing a little bit and becoming a little better for people. Yeah. You know, so basically they, they say that, that there are many American Jews, apparently myself included, who uh, refer to the area as a, uh, you know, as, as a special place for for where you know Jewish people were living, just like people you know like Chinatown yeah. would be for for people of you know Chinese backgrounds and descent, descent. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I actually think that my aunt still lives in that area. Yeah, I think she does. Uh, so obviously it's 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 no longer yeah. tenements, but uh, you know things have changed. No, when I when I uh, I went there for a couple of weeks and I stayed in a in a place just off a of Houston Street. Um, and I don't know. It was it was converted mm-hmm. tenements that I was living in. It was kind of a, a nice apartment I'd done an apartment swap with, with someone in Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics. And um, but yeah, it was like uh, he'd taken like two two tenements and uh, put a spiral staircase between them, and so it was like a a, a two floor nice enough apartment but he was like yeah it used to be like four apartments with 10 people in each apartment oh, wow. kind of thing you know it was it, it, it had been upgraded and, and and resold and there was a whole foods across the street or whatever but this was not the um you know the origins of, of the place were not seedy but definitely crowded crowded with immigrants at one point uh 40 or 50 years right. earlier so I, w- I don't know if that was exactly the Lower East Side, but it might have been. Um, it it could have been. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know New York geography well enough to be able to uh, to explain that to you and figure out where the whole thing, yeah. stuff like that. No, but I just think it's 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 great how they're talking. They talk about the Lancy Street, you know, which is also, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've ever heard or seen the movie Crossing the Lancy. You know, it's about uh, a a Jewish woman whose grandmother is trying to to fix her up with the, the local pickle guy, you know, and because the Lancy street oh. is, is, <laughs> is a prominent, pickle. uh, you know, uh, street of the Lower East side and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. So I, I just thought that that's uh, done, done really well. The, the way that they, you know, it, it, it comes across that these people are, are a real couple, you know, that, and that they have been together for so long. Well, that was my whole question was I was like, are these are these actual old couples? Because I, I totally believe it. There was one of the couples, I think one that comes after this, where I recognized the woman from something. And I was like, oh, I guess they're uh-huh. actors. But they do. They all do. They all do such a good job. Yeah. Where I'm sorry, where I was staying on Houston was uh, just a couple blocks away from Cats. And okay. Like a test. There you go. So I guess it was. uh Yes, it was the Lower East Side. Lower, it's Lower, Not Lower Manhattan. Manhattan. So, okay, it could be. Which is it's east, it's in between East Village and Lower Manhattan, not too far away from the Tenement Museum. Oh, I see. No, here we go. It's real close okay. to the Lower That's East fair. Side, but not quite, not quite all the mm-hmm. way in. Um, all right. So, anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? Jeez, just right in this little cluster: NoHo, Lower Manhattan, Little Italy, Chinatown, Two Bridges, Lower East Side, East Village. Ukrainian village. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, about this minute, I do want to say that I like the flashbacks. Uh, I thought Billy Crystal with hair is always fun to see. And I really thought that um, Meg Ryan 
suited the 70s hair in the beginning that that feathered uh like chrissy from three's company or not chrissy from three's company um chrissy's cousin like two 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 roommates <laughs> later cindy she, she reminded okay. me of uh cindy from three's company with the with the big the big feathered blonde hair um another thing that i liked was that I like that they didn't waste a bunch of exposition about how the rideshare to New York right. came about. Well, because they gave us a lot to talk about. Was or whatever. <laughs> we we spent a lot of time talking about that. <laughs> no doubt, right? Like they're just like, hey, some people do that sometimes. Anyway, it's right. a road trip with strangers, <laughs> friends of friends. Like right. the details aren't important. I think a lot of screenwriters would spend time right. on the setup, and it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter. And uh, uh, his. Uh, white man's overbite that bit <laughs> that he does that really um whenever i catch myself dancing and i start doing that i automatically remember this scene and try to stop myself because i'm like oh god i'm doing it i'm doing the uh the white man's overbite um i love the story at the baseball game don't fuck <laughs> mr zero the t-shirt that says don't fuck <laughs> mr zero i think that's absolutely hilarious um the uh I lived in Winnipeg for a while in an apartment with no furniture. So I, I spent a day throwing cards into a hat. And uh, it's like in Groundhog Day wow. and here. Uh, in Groundhog Day, he says it takes like a day and a half to get really good at it. But I found it took like uh, two or three hours before I was starting to get like, you know, 50 out of the 52 <laughs> cards in the hat. Yeah. But I was, I was like, I've got this time. I've got the space. And I literally have nothing to do. So I found that it, it took shockingly less time than I thought. I've heard that someone does the orgasm thing like every day in Katz's. Um, every day someone's like starts warming up and doing their fake orgasm like the scene. And then they're like, oh, God, here we go again. Jeez. Uh, and uh, uh, I guess I just one of my favorite make Ryan deliveries is in this movie. And, and I know we're. We're not there yet, but the, the, what are you saying? You took pity on me? Fuck you. And then slaps, slaps, uh, Billy Crystal. That was like, I've, it's one of the best yeah. FUs I've ever heard. And, it, and it's something, it's I mean, we'll talk about when we get to it, but it's something you don't expect from Sally. Yeah. No, does, you don't see it coming. And it's full commitment. It's not, uh, you know, her cute character trying and failing to be edgy. Like it's, felt yes. it is a bone deep <laughs> you know f you that i love and i just really want to do a shout out to carrie yes. fisher because i'd forgotten she was in the movie uh and i because i saw her in like shampoo and like this 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 like I, she's in actually a, a good amount of movies where she's not princess leia but um i still i still i'm like I know her like she's so imprinted in my brain as Princess Leia that it's it's always wild to see her doing yeah. something that's not that. And uh the chemistry between her and Bruno Kirby is it just works really, really well. Awesome. And I I'm sad I'm sad they're both gone because they really they really vibe off each other in this beautiful way. And and, and her yeah. comic timing is so good when she's going through the, the Rolodex and she's like <laughs> married and like <laughs> Doug, Doug you know, that's like the that's right. the bookmark old thing you know and uh like you know oh me and joe broke up and the one girl's <laughs> like oh that's horrible and exactly. she's like joe's available like yeah. <laughs> she's so funny she's so funny so i just wanted to give a, a shout out to her but that's uh that's it and also just that 
I, I find that Meg Ryan is like a savant when it comes to acting. Like I thought that a lot of what she portrays on screen and a lot of the, a lot of the magnetism that comes across from her is naturally occurring. Like there's just a fountain in her of kindness and goodness and magnetism that's just there for free. Just turn on the camera and have her talk about something and, uh, yeah. and it's going to work. And I find that that's why she worked so well with Tom Hanks is because he's got that same mm-hmm. thing. His comic timing is innate. His accessibility is innate. Like, I think that's why a lot of people always, you know, refer right. to him as the next Jimmy Stewart. Cause it's, there's that, there's that every man quality to him that he's still so captivating and it's the same with uh it's the same with meg ryan i find that she's got that every woman quality as well where she's attractive but not threateningly attractive and she's magnetic and hypnotic and uh and you just want to see her talk some more you know and I, and I and i but when you put the two of them together in a movie tom hanks and meg ryan that was like the real winning combo because i think billy crystal and her they have good chemistry here but he's yeah. kind of a bit of a jerk you know, and uh, and and so there's kind of a she could probably do but she, better. She wins him off. You know, so it's he like, becomes less of a jerk. She does, and and uh, and he weans he weans her, her off of you know yeah. putting one male one yeah her 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 uh, I, I guess I don't know what you would call that, but what do you call that? Yeah. Like, the, like the OCD. Like yeah, it's not not all the way OCD, but there's shades of. Shades of something going on. Like I kept thinking, is she on the spectrum watching these clips because of, uh, because of the, like the sort of pedantic way she approaches life. You know, she's very kind of logical and robotic about it, but there's emotions that keep yeah. popping up that confuse her. And I'm like, so I was like, are you, are you human? But anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I the script has all. a few minor discrepancies in the Harry and Sally, uh, bit. The, the main one being is, is that Harry says a woman friend. This is amazing. You know, he adds that little line in there. This is amazing. You may be the first attractive woman I have not wanted to sleep with in my entire uh, life. You know, so, you know, that, that, that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm kind of glad they changed yeah. that. That's not really in keeping with his character to be like, exactly. oh boy. That's not really, not really yeah. Harry's. Okay. Uh, but the style. documentary footage is completely different. They don't have in the script at this point, at least, oh. this couple. You know, they, they might appear later. I will I will keep everyone in suspense to find out when they show up in the script. But according to if if and when they show up in the script. But according to the script, uh, this is a, a completely different thing. And I will now read through what what goes through here. So it says a series of quick cuts of different older couples, each of them sitting on a love seat and looking at the camera. The first older couple, she was wearing a white dress with little daisies on it. Second older couple, he had a Borsellino hat. Third older couple. A bright red coat with black buttons. Fourth older couple, a blue suit. He told me after it was the first suit he got from a real tailor. And then fifth older couple, in her hair, she had a white flower, a camellia. So I got to say, I'm glad they cut that. I'm glad they changed it. It just doesn't work having each of them just say, like, the one thing they remember about, you know, what, what the other one was wearing at the time when they first met. Yeah. Yeah, there's a a really good music video by a character by a woman named Sin C Y N, and the song is called "I'll Still Have Me," and so it's like, uh, even though we've broken up, 
I'll still have me kind of thing. But it opens with people, old people being interviewed in an old folks home about meeting the love of their life mm-hmm. or what they think love is about. And so there's like three little interviews that are exactly like the interviews here in this movie of old people talking about, you know, meeting each other and, and what it was like to, to, to be with that person. And uh, so I, I recommend looking that up and, and taking a look at it. Cause it's, if you like the vibe of these interstitials hmm. in this movie, you'll like, um, Interesting. Like that okay. I'll definitely keep that in mind. So every Friday we have a segment called weekend yeah. romance where my guests will give their top five uh, rom-coms. Uh, so Duncan, what have you got? Start with number five and work your way up. I, I couldn't narrow it down to five, you know, and I also became very fascinated with the idea of what is a rom-com, you know, like I think that rom-coms, uh, and you know, you get your very, very classic ones, but like, is high fidelity. It's, it's your definition of a wrong you know, is, that, uh, That's the way is, I interpret it. Yeah, so uh, I got one, two, three, four. I five, only want five. Seven, I, I got I, nine. You can give <laughs> so, the other four honorable mentions. Okay, sure. One, two, three, four, five. That sounds good. Okay, so honorable mentions go to um, Groundhog Day, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. Uh, because my best friend's wedding just has that moment at the end where she's talking to Rupert Everett and he's like, okay, so he's driving. She's chasing him. You're chasing her. Who's chasing you? (laughs) She's like, uh, nobody. And so it's like, right. Are you in the right to be doing what you're doing right now? And I've never really seen that in a rom-com before where she was like, oh, I'm actually in the wrong, you know? And uh, so, uh, and then another honorable mention goes to Moonstruck. I thought Moonstruck is, I lost my wife. I lost my hand. He's got his bride. He's got his hand. I'm supposed to put it all behind me and forget, you know, like he's just amazing in that movie. So, okay. Top five. Uh, Number five. That's a great one. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, number four, shockingly, a uh, recent one, uh, The Big Sick. I thought that was a fantastic uh, movie. Uh, number three was fascinating to me, Shallow Hal. Mm-hmm. Jack and, Black. Um, uh, uh, Jack Black, it's the mm-hmm. power to see past the exterior of, of, of women. And I thought that was fascinating because the actresses they got to play the like the the hot women that he was seeing not the mm-hmm. hot women that existed but the hot women that he was seeing through the, the lens of the spell that had been placed on him kind of thing uh they were super hot women who had to act like they knew right. what it was like to be unattractive and i saw that it was a, a ratio about 30 percent like it was like three out of the five women that i thought uh nailed it you know, whereas I think like, you know, two of them were like, oh, my gosh, you <laughs> like me? Wow. And I was like, that's not how an unattractive person reacts right. to positive attention when they've been made, when they've been made fun of their whole life or they're not used to it. They're not just like, man. you know, like they uh, they're uh, they're very suspicious at first or they're like, I don't even know what's going on right now. What are you talking about? Like, they're not. um just like oh right. happy day it's finally happening and i and i thought that there was the, it was it was interesting to see these really attractive actresses have to act <laughs> like they were not attractive and i thought 
you can sort of see which ones maybe grew up with with uh with uh with buck right. teeth or, or grew up ugly and then you know turned into a turned into a swan i thought that was fascinating and then uh number two my best friend's girl with dane cook kate hudson and jason biggs and alec baldwin i thought that like jason biggs was um you know sort of cast as the sort of hero that we're supposed to be rooting for and i didn't care about him at all <laughs> like at all the the chemistry between kate hudson and dane hook dane cook is it's ridiculous. Like it just has to be seen to be believed. The two were just meant to be on screen together. And it feels like it was accidental. Like they were supposed to, to get along and kind of, you know, find love. And I know that the rom-com is supposed to be about them, but I think we were supposed to actually feel sympathy for Jason Biggs. And um, I don't think there was an audience who did. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. And, uh, and then my number one would be broadcast. Oh, wow. That's it. I've seen that movie so so many times i love broadcast news because it's a rom-com that also you know folds in right. the uh, ethics of journalism into it and uh and it's got just career best performances from in my eyes uh, you know albert brooks holly and, hunter uh, and william hurt and holly hunter the amazing holly yeah. hunter uh, so i'm great uh, in a spell that um uh, Patton Oswald comes in. He's like, you know, I'm going to conjure up the spirit of this and the spirit of that. And we'll use the tears of Holly Hunter. <laughs> he's like, like this, like the unicorn tears, the tears of Holly Hunter. <laughs> and she's uh, anytime Holly Hunter shows up, I'm just like, Oh boy. Oh boy. It's Holly Hunter. But she's uh, really right. good. At very cool. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so do you want to, uh, for one Ooh. last time this week, tell people how they can get in touch with Duncan Shields. Yeah, just go to at by Duncan Shields on um, Instagram or Twitter and uh, yeah, just look for me at TorontoLogicallySpeaking.com where we've got the movie by minute breakdown that I did by myself with a host of guests, uh, much like you're doing for 1982 seminal uh, watermark classic Disney movie Tron. And then me and Courtney Colson did an episode by episode breakdown of Tron Uprising. And we're currently taking on Tron Legacy and that will be posted soon. So if you, if you love Tron, all things Tron, go to Tronologically Speaking. And then also go to the Time Bandits Minute where me and Curtis Blaze take apart the 1980 wonderful Terry Gilliam classic. Excellent. Uh, Time Bandits. Very good. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go to my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So, Duncan, thank you again for, for joining me for the last three days. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself, too. Hope all our, I hope all of, all of our listeners That's also uh, have been enjoying our conversation about this. And I will be back on Monday with a new guest. But until then, I'll have what she's having. And I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you, had to be you.